I don't mean, yeah, I don't mean to take it to like straight the most apocalyptic setting as far as AI goes, but I guess, I guess that's where your head would jump to with all, all of your different media that talks about how the future is dangerous for us and our just curiosity being the thing that becomes our downfall downfall. I don't remember who it was that we read. I feel like it was Belay's class. I want to say it was existentialism and I want to say it was Sartre. It was Sartre or Simone de Beauvoir, right? One of them, I think it was both de Beauvoir, maybe talking about becoming a slave to our machinations. And I mean, I doubt she's the only one to say anything like that if it was in fact her, but that's just one that has stuck with me over the years of all the content that we covered. Um, Cause it just, I mean, we always, we just seem to be perpetually moving that direction, you know, whether it's a slave to video games, a slave to, I mean, fast food and just convenience in general because of things that we create to make our lives easier, you know, kind of walking down mm-hmm. that Wally path. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I've talked about that with, yeah, I've talked about that with my friends, uh, on several crews. Uh, and I was kind of just talking about this a little bit with my friend Elise like two days ago. Um, I don't know, we were talking about like writing letters and postcards uh, and how it, it's like this romantic, forgotten form of communication, like this bygone technology um, and how it feels like doing it now, like writing a letter to somebody and corresponding with people that way. It, I don't know. It just feels so much more genuine uh, on some level. It, it, I think it has to do with the fact that it's so much slower and the time and energy that it takes invested to like actually sit down and write a letter uh, and like put it in an envelope and, stamp it and mail it and like just wait until it gets there uh, I don't know it feels like a chance it feels like a space where my mind can enjoy the the community of people like that I know at a lot more reasonable pace uh, you know I don't I don't know if we evolved to to really perform all that well working and like moving all the time at the pace that we do in in modern western society you know uh we're just constantly working i mean like you work to live at least in this country you know like and it's you work you work to have health insurance you work you work to have anything and it's all a result of the way that the economy and like the capitalist structure has now funneled through evolution and advancement in technologies through uh, these innovations and everything that we're talking about. Like it, it, it's all, it's one big machine that's designed to like maximize efficiency and productivity. And at a certain point you reach some kind of a tipping point where you can't extract any more wealth and value from from our human bodies and the environment we live in if the idea is to perpetuate the system and to make the system more efficient uh, and maximize productivity why wouldn't we have more focus 
into our younger people that would then allow them to maximize and build on what the past generation had where that like you know it's a it's a glass ceiling so to speak or it's a it's a new floor why doesn't that work because i don't because the way i think uh because the way that it's set up is to encourage people to seek like maximum immediate benefit it's very difficult to think long term when in in a society that's in an economy that's set up to uh, well in an in an economy that's uh the the structure of the economy that we live in is such that the vast majority of us live in this weird middle section the the expansion of the middle class uh, historically we've expanded to the point where the middle class is so wide it's it's really beyond definition at this point because the difference between a lower and an upper middle class person is vast on some level but then they get grouped together because they're all just so immensely far behind the people at the top and immensely far above the people at the bottom you know like it's this weird the the Limbo. Like the wealth wealth disparity in the country yeah. that exists between the extremely wealthy and the extremely poor. And then there's all of us that hang out in the middle and have like our various, you know, obviously there's, there's levels to all of this. Uh, but the whole thing is designed so that most of us are working our, like every waking moment just to survive. And some of us hang out at the top and like, just, you know, kick back and chill and go to space in our own rocket ships and, Travel to the bottom of the ocean. Maybe don't do that next time. Just, just yeah, honestly, traveling on top of the ocean is enough anxiety for me personally. Um, never mind going beneath it. I don't. There's nothing down there for me. Definitely not yeah. enough air. So, being a slave to the machination that is capitalism—that is <laughs> Western society's capitalism—where it's just from point A to point B, back to point A to point B to point, like there's doesn't, it doesn't, it's almost claustrophobic, I guess, where this feels like your options. Like these are your, you have, Uh you know, set paths. Like it isn't, all right, now we just open up the door and go do whatever, however, you know, here are the ways to do it. But like, it's just set in particular ways. And to your point in maximizing efficiency and productivity. Yeah. It's like you're put into a box and that box is already laid out in terms of how does this serve the bigger machine, whatever that machine may be, um, whatever that purpose or, you know, means is. And I think that's scary for a lot of people, but almost scary to the point where it's like a analysis paralysis where people might not even want to think about it. Like when you do think about it, it creates kind of this, I mean, this anxiety and this sense of desperation. It's like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, I don't know what I can do. It's like, well, I, I just, so I just go with the path that's already laid out. Well, the one that's it's, already been it's much too big to conceive of. So like, yeah, what can one person do about it anyways? You know, it's, it's inherently 
demoralizing and discouraging of dissent. Right, because you don't have like the the ratio of people that are saying like this is how it's done, this is the way to do it, and those avenues are more fleshed out, they're more tested, they're more quote unquote proven compared to taking what might be a leap of faith because it's different from a set path, you know, which is typically in this day and age, um, you know, secondary education or, you know, higher education job from that funnel, you know, typical school Mm -hmm. funnel. Um, And taking a separate path is actually apparently more risky, you know, where you have your own life, your own decisions in your hand. That's the riskier path. But but so much more interesting. And because we don't have, and I guess because like, I would say there aren't, I want to say maybe platforms or funnels that are helping people navigate that own more self-interested path, that more uh, self-prioritized path, that makes it even scarier, right? Because I can point to, I can point to more people who have done the typical school to work pipeline and see that it's, and and be like, just by numbers say, well, people tend to get by like this. People live just fine like this. And I think that's more of what you said in terms of like, you know, uh, reining all that in is that safe option is done. Like I can do that. I can just, I'm fine with just living okay, as opposed to thriving in whatever way or just doing whatever really makes me feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you're, uh, you know, you talked about uh, self-interest and self-empowerment, and I might, I might throw in there uh, self-actualization. Uh, okay. Some, some good old. Uh, eudaimonia. Uh, it, it, nice as soon as you as soon as you step out, uh, it, well, I shouldn't say as soon as because we should talk about it at some point. Like there's a lot of you know there's a lot of barriers of entry to what uh, I'm about to like talk about, which has mm-hmm. been my experience, and I've been very lucky uh, to be able to have the experiences I had. Um, like through a lot of support uh, from other people. But if, if you can manage to find a way to step out of that, that block, that box that you're born into uh, and find some kind of alternative path that really hits on, on those, uh, some of those like keystones to fulfillment, fulfillment and actualization, um, you know, like something you're passionate about, something that challenges you, something that, uh, you know, is bigger, is bigger than just yourself and your own interests, something that provides community with other people. Um, if you can find something, you know, that, that can provide those kind of things in a way that, you know, maybe you're, you're, the kind of typical life that we've been talking about uh, maybe isn't isn't satisfying. 
Uh, I don't know. I like I said, I've been very lucky and have have found such a place, uh, such a. I found something like that to do with my life, uh, and I. I've been doing it for about two years now, and I feel so much more uh, at, at peace and like an understanding of who I am as a person. Uh, I've made so many connections with people that uh, are are I mean generally like-minded to me, um, but come from a variety of different like backgrounds and living situations and, and belief systems and I mean it's just been such a, an incredible incredibly diverse group of people that I've been lucky enough to work with and uh, I don't know I, I having found something like this I, I can't imagine ever going back to into the box so I'm going to say a couple of things and then I do want to transition more into what your experiences over these last couple of years post, you know, seeing you have been like. And so first it is, it's kind of ironic. Yeah. That the, the box, the rat race um, is such an isolated, I feel like it, it has a tendency to isolate um, and feel so individual. Like it feels like an individual experience because now you're thinking day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, paycheck-to-paycheck of how am I going to get these things done? And you're just so focused on inwardly of what you're going to do for you here. Because, I mean, self-preservation is an instinct. Um, So naturally, we're going to think about ourselves. And to your point, when it's working to live and it's just doing enough to get by over and over and over again to the point where all you can think about is survival, let alone thriving and you know doing something above and beyond like that's a really isolating isolating feeling and it it can be tough and it's ironic i say that because so many people are going through it it's such a shared experience like it's it's felt alone but so many people are feeling it it would actually be something to rally around and you know group together and make a change right uh, and obviously that that sounds so it's so much easier to say that than to do it um but that is you know to your point like having seen the light i can't go back to just a life where i'm thinking strictly through that lens of going to school getting a job working until such age and you know that being my life essentially already laid out essentially predetermined you know, I make choices, yes, here and there about what I want to do here, you know, so to speak, but it's already laid out for you. Like your life's been decided in many ways if you look at it from that lens. Mm-hmm. And these last couple of years, and even just since, you know, starting paving the way and working together with the guys and, you know, doing the podcast, doing the, the financial literacy and learning uh, has been just another reminder of, Right now, I'm not getting paid for this, but it's like, this is something that I can get behind. This is something I can put time, energy, and effort into, like writing a letter, you know, and pen palling and stuff like I, I can put effort into. Um, and it's even more rewarding many times than the job that pays me on a daily basis or a weekly basis, Certainly. right? Um, but right now, it's just not paying. And 
I am I benefit from the the privilege um, and of support that my parents are in a good place, um, and that my you know my dad and my stepmom are you know generous and loving and kind enough and compassionate enough to let me stay with them while I get my you know things in order. Um, but obviously, not everybody has that, particularly at twenty five, going on twenty six, and so when I'm so focused on just paying such bills and you know the next thing and the next thing that's a physically mentally emotionally draining thing it doesn't leave a whole lot of room to want to explore those other self-interests but because i have that privilege to do that i have that blessing um you know i get to do this and thankfully in, in our case it's a passion that is started with the intention of serving other people um, in some way, shape, or form down the line, right? Like, so right now, as far as the media goes, it's giving a platform, giving a voice to those people who don't feel like they have one, um, or giving a creative outlet and a chance for people to experience these things like, hey, you can do what you wanted, like, truthfully. And, you know, and I won't sit here and pretend like you don't need money in this society. I know there are people that can live off the grid. Um, many of us can't. Um but that's it. like, you know, you can do what you want to do and find success um, and fulfillment in ways that aren't the conventional methods or through the conventional lens. Or... Yeah, I mean, just. Uh, I I really uh, resonate with what you're saying about. The in the, the individualized nature of of like the suffering. Um, it it comes across the 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 structure of the economy again. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about this so much today, uh, <laughs> but it's like set up to it preys on that self preservation instinct, like you're talking about. It could be the case that the government would just like give you health care. You know, it could be the case that the government would like give you food subsidies. All these things that like are like bare minimum things needed to to live, and like just a normal like like bare bones level of existence comfortably like people have i I believe people have the right to be comfortable in life, okay and like it doesn't have Crazy to be idea. it's it's not like a, a a fact of nature that the government doesn't do those things and we have to like work to pay for them themselves ourselves you know uh but because the government doesn't do that we're left in this position where we have to struggle and fight for ourselves every day and so you can't like you're talking about you can't spend the time like on on passion projects and community building and like all of the keystone things i was touching on earlier because you're exhausted like you're worked to the bone just to survive yeah. It's very insidious. The way that and and I know this is how we talk. So I mean I was always expecting tangents, but like case in point, I was talking yesterday with a couple guys who for a number of factors I, I know we probably don't line up like we have our similarities and our differences when it comes to different government involvement and all this kind of stuff, right? And definitely over the last few years I've I've worked on trying to find more common ground and be a proponent of compromise and uh, fellowship with people who have different ideas than you. Um, 
Now that said, I think I think there are certain convictions where it's like we can't disagree on this topic, and that's just mm-hmm. point blank. There are certain things, and for me, it, and it's becoming stronger. It's stronger and stronger. But like, it's why wouldn't why wouldn't a government take care of its citizens at a at a very base level? Like just at a very, I'm just gonna make sure you're housed and fed. Now, if you want more than this bare minimum lifestyle, you're gonna have to, you know. You have to do things, but like, yeah, certain things like just taking care of you, because if I'm going to say that you're a citizen, if I, if you are, um, endowed with that right, you know, as a naturalized citizen, and I mean, later on in the other ways to become a citizen, once you are a citizen, it is then my duty to take care of. Supposed so to come why with some this... kind of benefit, right? Otherwise, right. So why would otherwise, people what's the immigrate? Point? Why do I care? Why, why, yeah. why would I care about being here? If I can't be, and then, and then it's a whole other thing about being second class citizen. And even when you are a citizen, still not getting full citizen, that's a whole, and we could plunge down a rabbit hole, um, but we're not going to, but just, yeah, there are, there are certain things like, why does that feel like too much to ask? I'm not telling you to fund a millionaire's lifestyle for me. I'm just saying, because you claim me as a citizen, because I pledge my allegiance to you. Um, because if you can, if you can conscript me, if you can send me to war, <laughs> then you should be taking care of me at a base level. Like you, should, you know, I, you know, if you can send me to war, you, then I should be able to live comfortably. And it's like that. So I, I really dislike hearing the arguments against that, um, and just the like, particularly from, especially from other people who are. Honestly, probably one or two bad days away from being in a similar situation. Because like you said, that middle class is so wide and varied, but like the middle middle class and the lower middle class, as you know, you might designate them, aren't too far apart. Like they are, there's a gap, but it's not, you could just be, you could just as easily fall below that line. Um, But this is, this is a whole lot of stuff. and this is this is what I think these these would be great grounds for Tuesday talks. And this is why I really do want to jump into some episodes where where you come on and Zach and I and the three of us just have some of these conversations. And his brother yeah. too. I don't know if you had a chance um, to listen to any of the episodes this week, but we dropped an episode earlier this week with his younger brother Ryan, who went to CNU and double majored in philosophy and psychology um so and zach's you know getting his doctorate right now in california um i don't want to i don't want to you know butcher what the degree is and but zach forgive me too many doctoral candidates dude uh zach forgive me if it's wrong but i mean um, transformational leadership uh, positive psychology and you know a lot of good things as far as his, his degree is concerned with um but I'll let him tell more of that. But that's why I definitely want you to come through some Tuesday talks because I just know we could have conversations for days. Yeah. Um, but let's switch gears for a minute. And let me just say, you know, welcome back, everybody, to Promote Yourself by Paving the Way. Uh, host with the most, Trayvon Walker here. Uh, Blasian Sensation, all that, yada, yada, you know what it is. Uh, Today, I am joined by one of my very best friends for, well, geez, we've been friends for about 
10 years now, roughly. Sophomore year, maybe. Sophomore year of high school. Nine years, 10 years, roughly. Um, so, uh, and and definitely best friends starting senior year of high school going forward. Um, Dylan Lorio McNamara. I feel like I have your middle name, but it's it's slipping my mind right now. But my buddy Dylan Lorio McNamara. Um, well, you know, but in, not, in fact, that it, it's impossible to have my middle name. I don't have one. Okay. Okay. See. See. And now I'm just pulling you, stuff out of my ass. I you. See. You. Yeah. You forgot nothing. Forgot the nothing. Honestly, and that's something that stands out enough that you think I'd remember that because there's no way that hasn't come up before. So. That's like well, one of the first to... things I tell people about myself. Is it? Hi, is it? Dylan. No middle name. Just Dylan. Dylan, no middle name. Over you know what? And what you could do with that? I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the gag, but like, change your name to whatever, and not literally whatever, but and be that guy that says, you know, oh, don't be dangerous or whatever. Danger my middle name. Like, you know, you really have that. I mean, I guess anybody could do that, but like you have yeah. the space for that. You're not taking anything out. You're just adding a middle name. My friend Elise and I were talking the other day that I should I should change my name to Willie Nelson, Mario McNamara. Wait. So Willie first name Nelson, last name. Yeah. No, no, no. What Nelson would be Willie Nelson. would be the middle name. Willie Nelson for, oh yeah. So Willie, Willie Nelson. Lorio McNamara. Where does that come from? Did well, I had my hair in braids, and okay, she said I looked like Willie Nelson. I mean, it'd be a fit. It'd, it'd be a fit. I mean, I think I've told you about what I would do if I was like actually a Star Wars fan and really didn't care about my kids' lives, um, their yeah. social lives very uh-huh. much. I mean, Luke Sky, and then Anna Ken Sky okay. would be a terrible middle name, but we'd figure it out because yeah so <laughs> um but all right I'm, I'm gonna take it from the top of like as we introduce you let's just and we'll we'll skip all the post 202 stories and the the college twitter and all that kind of stuff and we'll we'll keep that to the side for now but let's let's introduce you to the audience in terms of what have you been up to post I mean, you can even start with college if you want to, if you want to start your intro. But like, where, where what's it been for you since starting at CNU, finishing at CNU? We'll just take it from there. Yeah, sure. I um, you know, as you know, uh, listeners, listeners probably don't know. Uh, you and I went to school together, and we did. Uh, we both did a philosophy degree. Which was that was something else, man. Dude, that was quite a time. And I'm very a, glad you switched majors. Um, uh-huh. I am. I am glad you switched majors. That I didn't realize I needed it, but like now looking on it, man, I can't imagine how different it would have been. Well, if right. You were I mean, imagine business major. Imagine me going through. through business. Yeah. Yeah. Last week is a choice, though. It's uh. It's an interesting, it's a fascinating degree, uh, which really taught me how to think critically and kind of analyze uh, uh, 
information and argument really well. Uh, but I did struggle coming out of college to to find a find a job where that was that was really at a high premium. Uh, right. Not to mention the fact we graduated into the 2020, so like the whole world had shut down. Didn't anyways. help. Yeah, uh, didn't help. So you know, so I ended think up. We need I mean, philosophy majors right, yeah. in the world right now. You think we need philosophy majors? Everything's on fire, and you want to sit around and think about. <laughs> you it. want to talk about. And you want to talk about the fire. Yeah. We can talk about it. That's a good point. Uh, so, because, I mean, that is pretty important context, though, I guess, because a lot of what, a lot of my uh, kind of energy and time that I spent in 2020 was like uh, following following news stories and, and going to demonstrations and like, you know, reading uh like taking all of these online uh, kind of seminars about about what's going on and like hearing people talk about it uh, this very explosive uh high pace kind of education for me in in a lot of history and a lot of uh sociology um so you know kind of surrounding like at the, what you know at that that moment in time, like it was the summer, um, summer after George Floyd was murdered, and you know so there's just all of this energy, um, Black Lives Matter activities and demonstrations going on all the time, and I'm like you know I'm, I'm going to a bunch of these like kind of walk walks and marches and things like that, um, and just hearing and like talking from people from from all over the place with different experiences than me and like. Uh, feeling called to like stand in solidarity with like so much of this because like like I said so that education that I'm talking about I think the biggest piece of that was <clears throat> recognizing that even though so many things don't affect me directly it's not right like it's it's wrong to like remain silent and stay out of out of things just because of that you know and that sounds Saying that out loud sounds like a pretty naive thing uh, to to maybe be realizing when you're 22. Um, but in any case, like it it clicked at that point, and I I really threw myself into that. Um, and so I looked into I found this internship. I did an internship for a few months with uh, Casa in Virginia, which is uh, an immigrants' rights advocacy group uh, based out of uh, Prince William County. Uh, they've got a bunch of different offices and a bunch of different branches in different states. Um, so basically what I did there was it was a remote internship. And what I did was kind of help with the bill tracking while while the House was in session in Virginia in the legislature. Um, and so kind of I was assigned to maybe 10 or so proposed bills that I was like, keep track of like discussions that happened on them and like votes that came up and uh, setting up meetings between representatives and like my, my boss, a lot of stuff like that. I did that for about five or six months. Uh, and that really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that politics was not where I was going to make my impact because it, uh, Getting that behind-the-scenes look into kind of the lobbying process and and the, the deal-making process and just 
all of the ins and outs of how legislative how how legislature happens um it's i yeah it it didn't it doesn't suit me I, so in just, just for a second there like because i mean and you and i have had these conversations um and you know with each other and with other people is well the system as a whole you know has so many flaws people we talk about the system is broken and and all that you know and whatever the system may be whether it's the rehabilitation system you know the economic structure and how things work the they're all broke. Government, like yeah, all the systems are broken. Um, so, and we so often talk about like having the right people in positions of power to make changes. And I can't believe I'm even mentioning the guy here, but whatever. Donald Trump. One of the things that people liked about him in his first, in his initial running was that he wasn't a politician. And while I understand why he wasn't the guy and like for a number of reasons and why that, I understand why that idea on a surface level is kind of appealing because of what politicians seem to come to be by the time that they're in positions to, to make real kind of change or affect real change. Um, and so, and I say all that to say this is, we say that as people on the outside, you got a glimpse just a little bit on the inside of what that, those in and outs, how those in and outs work. And even for you, it was kind of like a, yeah, this is where, I, this isn't where I make my mark. This isn't, you know, for me, because I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, one of those thoughts might've been, I don't know who I end up being on the other side of going through all these twists and turns and doing all these deals and talking about policy and how I got from the way it's been portrayed and whether it's through media or like, like fictional media or non-fictional is it sounds like you, you almost have to change just to get to a position where you feel like you have real power, um, which is, you know, intimidating and maybe a reason why people don't want to get into politics. Um, Cause and I'm gonna let you go after this. Like, same here that I feel like I can make change, but I don't know if politics is the way that I could do it, even though that would seem to be the quote unquote straightforward way to make the quickest possible changes for the largest number of lives, right? So, but I, I do want you to continue on like how you saw that and then pivoted to figure out how else you'd make your mark. Yeah. So, uh yeah i mean you're pretty pretty much right on there like i i realized that uh so one being the fact that it was a remote internship um you know kind of removed a lot of the well the community aspect of of something like that you know like of a nonprofit advocacy group um, and for me like i i know this for a fact I, in fact uh, like my mom has worked nonprofit like pretty much her whole life uh, and the biggest thing that she's ever taught me is that like the community side of of things around 
like in the nonprofit world, like the community of people that gather together and put their bring their forces together in order to make change about this issue, like that's what makes nonprofit work so so impactful and powerful. Um, and so having that like barrier of I'm only ever like seeing people on Zoom meetings or uh, you know frequently we would just like if we had a group chat uh, like we would just update stuff on that we would do like a weekly Zoom call um, and I just found it I I realized that it was difficult like I was passionate excuse me I had discovered all of this passion for for social justice broadly speaking and I felt good that I had gotten that I had found this this internship and I was I felt good about the work I was doing but in in working with my other cohort of interns and our boss and I realized well I knew right away I mean I was the only white guy there uh, but like I realized because of that like I I there was something about like my ability to relate on some level that that kept that I think also contributed to some level of that like lack of community I mean not to say that not not to say that like I, I I'm not saying that I think white people like can't work at an organization advocating for immigrants <sighs> like it's it's I guess I just realized that that because of I think I reflected on the naivete of the statement I made earlier and the fact that I didn't really have a lot of experience in the world other than like I played soccer and I went to school. Um, I I decided anyways that I needed to, I needed to go out and find something, do some actual work with people like and experience some of that passion and community building that my mom has talked about. And like build up some experience in the world uh, before I like try and jump into this political side of things with no idea what, what I'm talking about, you know, like. And so, and I wonder right now, as you say that, and you talk about a certain degree of naivete, I mean, I think that would apply to all of us for at least very broadly, you know, up to a point, right? Not understanding how the world works because, and I think, in many respects, that's because of just how much like children we are treated as children. Like, obviously, we're we're you know kids, but like, I almost want to say the sheltering and the lack of preparation to have me ready to be an adult at eighteen. Because if legally I'm an adult at eighteen and I don't have to go to college, I don't have to go to more school. Ideally, I am prepared by now to move out and to go on my own and, you know, make whatever living and take care of myself. And so often that's not the case. And I mean, we've talked about it dozens upon dozens of times here at Paving the Way as far as like financial literacy goes. But as far as this conversation goes, real world experience and not just say job experience, you know, obviously that's, that's a big um, factor in it, but it is, for lack of a better phrase, how the world works, right? There's so much we're not um, keen to um, because of the dynamics of our, you know, essentially fishbowl, right? Like 
how many kids grew up in York County that were there for their whole lives. Um, and that's not a knock on them compared to like, so, you know, a military brat like myself being to how many different states and countries in the first 18 years of my life. Um, and that's just to say, like, there's so many things York County kids could not be privy to or have experienced being, you know, in one space uh, at the same time. I mean, for their whole lives. And at the same time, on the other side of that coin, there's so many things I'm not privy to being somebody who has moved around his whole life and who has dealt with people who are generally, I mean, open minded, at least on the surface level, because I mean, as a kid, you don't see a whole lot typically. Um, but, you know, just being around a bunch of people that are used to moving and seeing all sorts of cultures and meeting all sorts of people like. So. And even then you get to college, your eyes are opened a little bit more because now you see things and you're aware and you're able to verbalize these different thoughts and these um, internal motivations and things that you felt over the years. Cause, and now they're, you know, they're real thoughts and dreams and such. But even then we're in a fishbowl on campus. Like there's, there's real world experience. There's like, man, okay, now I step out. It's like, okay, this is actually how these things play out in these, like there's so many different complicated dynamics, even just within one environment that I haven't experienced personally. And so now there's a lot of things that I'm just, I could be missing. And not, and then politics is probably one of those platforms that's most like that because there's so much going on um, in so many different directions. So I think you, you definitely make a good point of just being so naive to an extent, but not even understanding that until you start to have a few years out. And now we're what, three years removed? Um, and so it's starting to come along, but obviously three years isn't a whole lot of time. Well, I think it can, It three years can be. Uh, I mean, short. I've been... <laughs> Like the journey that I've I've been on uh, from that internship is like, I mean, I can't even, I mean, I said earlier, like I've been very lucky. Like I, I have been, I've been to so many places that I never, I never would have been otherwise. I've mm-hmm. met so many people that I never would have met otherwise uh, and like gotten close with so many of them. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, let's. let's Next, so from the internship, uh, after, so that ended kind of spring of 21. Uh, and I think at that point I had gotten in, I was accepted into the master's program uh, in London. Uh, it's like a sociology program, it's like sociology of human rights. So it was, it was a, it was a path towards, uh, like, a path into that political arena. Uh, so it would have been, in all likelihood, kind of career path, something along the lines of, like, working in an NGO, like some big international, like, amnesty or something, or hell, it could have been, like, lawyer, law school. Uh, I don't know. But at that point, the pandemic was had like resurged. It was resurging in England. Uh, and I, I talked to my grandma 
and she was like, yeah, you know, like there's an option to defer your enrollment. Like, why, why not take it? Just take one year, just push it back. I was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, and so I pushed it back. And over the summer, I don't think I did anything. I just worked at the print shop. Uh, but I found out about this uh, program called AmeriCorps NCCC, the National Civilian Community Corps. Uh, and it was an opportunity to, it was, it's a volunteer service, service program through AmeriCorps, uh, which is like the government's volunteer funding organization, basically. Uh, so NCCC specifically is one of the, it's like a very direct line from like government money to volunteers on the ground. Um, some of there's a lot of a, a lot of different ways AmeriCorps programs run, uh, but NCCC is basically the government establishes a training regimen and uh, like a like an organizational structure for like volunteer service groups to be put together, trained, and sent out to work to volunteer for for nonprofits, state and federal agencies, uh, really. Really, anybody who's like doing good in the world or trying to do good, uh, and also the government. Uh, and so, in November, I flew to Denver and I met my crew of ten strangers from around the country, um, and we spent two weeks in this weird, like, COVID regulation training space uh, where we were all we were all in masks and like we weren't allowed to do very much. Uh, so we got really close because like there's nothing to do except sit six feet apart from each other and talk um, and then we so you spent the program is 10 months long so you commit to 10 months of service and they'll pay you uh, oh I forget the total but it was I my paychecks were $180 every two weeks for 10 months so what is that? Like $3,600, give or take. Uh, but you also get like $7,000 in education award money that you can use. Uh, well, you can use it in a whole a whole host of ways. Uh, but things like paying off student debt that you already have or like paying for school. Uh, you can pay for like certifications. Like I got, I've gotten so many certifications. Uh, it was education money. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it is pretty cool. Like overall, my point being though, like something, it's, it's a big consideration. Like I talked about earlier, I've, I've had a lot of support, and it's not something that everybody can afford to just dedicate a year of your life to living off of thirty six hundred dollars and get some education money at the end. You don't have any expenses while you're in the program. You know, like you're not paying for gas, you're not paying for food, you're not paying for housing. Um, you know, it, I don't know. It, so what was it? What was it about the program when it first came across, like that you first, you know, interacted with it, that it just called you, that it just pulled you and that you knew for sure that you wanted to do it? What was it that clicked? Honestly, at that point in my life, uh, you know, middle of the pandemic, I've been trapped, excuse me, I've been living 
with my parents for 10 months in a state of tension. The world is ending. Like nobody's having a good time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It honestly, the biggest thing, the first, not the first thing that drew me, but the biggest thing that sold me was the the opportunity to travel and like go different places uh, that again, that I probably never would have been able to go to. Uh, or thought to go you know um but the other the other other major factors were that kind of call to to serving others to something bigger than myself um, the opportunity to do that with other people like who seemingly would also be very passionate about it um you know, I, I, it seemed like a perfect answer to like what I had been searching for. Like I want, I want to help people and I feel like I can help people. I can help more people by not being here, <laughs> by going somewhere and helping people, uh, not like working on my computer, like tracking bills or whatever. Uh, and, and then it, I don't know. I, I guess me personally, I'm just kind of an adventurous person by nature. So that was also, I, I kind of just, once I got it in my head, I got, I found out about it and I read up on it. I was like, sounds pretty cool. I think I'm going to do it. And then I did it. You know I mean, I think there's, I think there's a lot to be said there in a couple of ways. And I've actually, I was thinking yesterday about doing an episode where I kind of talk a little bit about it. Um, and that's, you know, first taking an action, you know, and like you said, you know, oh man, the world's going to end. Everything's, you know, trash right now. It's just a state of a lot of, like, we're in a state of, you know, things are just real inflammatory right now. Everything's explosive. It feels like things are just falling apart. Um, and you just still step out and go. And I mean, in, in ways taking, you know, a leap of faith. And, and I say that, like, like you said, yeah. And from on this side, it's like, huh, no bills, no, no gas, all that kind of stuff, food, all that's taken care of. I mean, hold, not a whole lot of paycheck, but if everything's taken care of, cool. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm doing something community wise and nationally at that. So, but it is still a leap of faith because it's not a typically traveled, you know, it's the road less traveled. Um, if, if there were, you know, volunteers lining up the door, I feel like it'd be a different situation, but you know, it, it's something that not a whole lot of people, well, and I won't say a whole lot because I mean, you've told me about how many teams and stuff and how many people have been out there. Um, but just mainstream wise, it isn't something a whole lot of people do. And so like, it is still kind of like, man, I haven't heard anybody talk about this. This, I'm like, I'd be the first person that I know has done something like this. And you just put yourself out there to go do it. Um, and you kind of overcome that fear. And I'm not saying that you had, you know, a whole lot of fear regarding this decision, but just with everything going on, you know, a lot of uncertainty going on, you took action. And now just looking at you and hearing how, the, how you talk about it when we talk, it's just, it doesn't sound like there's been any regret and it's only been up on this side of it. 
Yeah. I, I mean, and I, and I recognize, I, I truly feel like I, I, I know that my experience is not necessarily the norm or, uh, it's certainly not what everybody gets out of these kind of things, these programs. Um, but I mean, I have been very lucky just to reiterate, but it has been utterly life-changing for me in not only opening my eyes up to a different, a different path, this like alternative um, way of living, uh, but also um, I think it's expanded my capacity to care for, for not just like other people that I know, like, or that I interact with on a day-to-day basis, kind of in person, but it's broadened my ability and and my level of concern just kind of for people, like humans. Like we're all on this one planet together, you know? We're all the same. And I don't know. I It's it's hard to explain a lot of, I, I me personally, I tend to get, I go, I lean, I get a little spiritual. Uh, a, little, a little mystical. Uh, yeah, no, tap into that. Tap into it. Tell us about it. How I mean, do you, how do you see it? Well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to give the impression that I have a have, uh, have much of a coherent spiritual worldview, maybe. But but. I don't know. I just, I just know. I feel like I know that the it's all we, all of us on the planet, including our like non-human animals, companion, com, uh, companions. Uh, and the, the entire web of nature, plant life, the water, the planet itself. I mean, it, it, you, everything in the universe is just energy, right? Like, I, I, we all vibrate on essentially the same frequency. And there are ways, there are things that happen, that can happen, that you know, like alter, alter the frequency sometimes. So, you know that's constant. That's always going on. But at the end of the day, like at root, we're all just one and the same. Like uh, life, you know, struggling for life, struggling on together. Uh, struggling is a good word, and. I'm sorry, I, I want to let you finish because I mean, if you had something I'm kind of rambling, I don't but, know, I'm piecing it together. So, but like that simplification, and I don't know how others experience it. Um, for me personally, is both enlightening and comforting, but also very frustrating because, as you say it, right, like. It's as simple as this, you know, 
beyond just we're all one race, the human race, we're all people, you know, we're, and then you include animals and nature and everything. We're all life, but even just, you know, a step beyond that, we're all just, it's energy. But just to reel it back to we're all people, just, just for a scope for our listeners to uh, refer to, because I, I mean, I think I, I, I tend to agree with you on you know the deeper levels of it too, but just to rein it back in a, a minute is that can be so frustrating because it's a very simple truth that everyone should be able to understand, right? You know, is that we're all essentially one. We're all the same, as different as we can be. We're all the same. And that feels like when I talk about, you know, there's some things we should not be able to disagree on. That's one of them. Like, that's just point blank. It's like, we're the same. You know, you can speak however many different languages. You can look however. You can believe X, Y, Z. But we're all the same. And so then it all just always feels like it just relates back to a... And it's crazy how it's so simple. It's so simple, Dylan, that they teach it to like kindergartners and first graders. The golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated. Like it's so simple that I don't know if it was Einstein because I feel like I've heard that that's been misquoted, but whoever said it, like you don't truly understand it yourself unless you can explain it to a five-year-old. And the golden rule is quite literally that, that they tell five-year-olds to treat others how you would like to be treated. Yeah, And when I tell you that that's actually been something I've been able to internalize, right? Like, And now the thing is, I don't necessarily go up and like consciously treat people nicely because I'm thinking, I hope someone is going to treat me nicely, right? Like it's just so ingrained. It's so second nature of just because why not? And typically within those nice interactions, I feel, I, I feel great. Most people respond and receive that really well and then it brightens their day and there's this reciprocation and and it's just like why couldn't it be that easy all the time right you know what you know uh, something i've realized just uh i i've i think i've also like learned how to i've learned to internalize that rule but mostly what i'm hoping for how i want people to treat me like as i'm going through my day for the most part is to just leave me alone like i don't you know and so that's don't what i bother do. me because, so i just, <laughs> just i don't talk to nobody nobody busy. needs to talk to me simple but as then that. but then i feel weird about myself and i like i get mad at myself for like being antisocial sometimes like, it's, it's an isolating I feeling i can't control it it well and and then and from my experience right because i definitely have my times where it's like i don't want to be bothered Mountain public, I came here to get this is my business, I'm doing this, this, and this. Yeah. Like I definitely have those. But at least for me, it's like when I feel that way, whether it's you know an external mood that's been pushed upon me earlier in the day or whatever, or it's just like I'm just feeling this way today. It just doesn't it's closed off. It doesn't open myself to receiving more positive energy. That somebody, yeah. like a stranger, would be like, hey, you look nice today. Or nice shoe, hair, whatever, shoes, teeth, whatever it is. Um, or just holding the door for you. You know, whatever. But it's it's funny because it's like all the really simple, small interactions that you might not remember, you know, two days from now, let alone five years from now. 
like are like the pieces that kind of just where you feel really happy, real, really feel, feel nice. And they yeah. kind of negate this notion that it's a mean and bloody world. Um, and wow, it's actually wrapping up. It's like wrapping back around as far as paving the way goes. It's like we want to make that kind of like a normalization, right? A normal kind of thing where it's just like, I see so much more positive than I see the negative as yeah. opposed to if it bleeds, it reads, if it enlightens it bright or if it brightens it enlightens. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but, but just having just fun. And I guess fun is just not really the word, but just being open to other people. I think we can typically close ourselves off very often because of the environment that we live in, which feels very inflammatory, very attacking, ad hoc, all these, you know, it seems like a dangerous world because you're told so much that it is a dangerous world, that so-and-so is out to get you, so-and-so doesn't care about you, um, this and that, like, that really feeds into the pessimism and the nihilism, which we've talked about having a jar for. Um, because there have been those days. So, and I think where you and I and Zach and others, where we benefit from what we benefit from is, I mean, one, having a philosophical background um, and understanding perspective and, you know, that these are moments and why there is greater meaning beyond all this negative energy that's around. Um, I think being able to sit here and talk through it and talk past it and not just get whelmed down. Like we feel the nihilism too. The difference is we don't let the nihilism win, I guess. We don't let that overcome the rest of us. Yeah. And I mean, like to, to your first point, I, you'll note that community building and, and uh, like kin keeping and like kin work is like, that's something I'd mentioned as like a keystone to actualization, you know, like it, it absolutely, none of us can survive as an island. Like mm. none of us is an island. It, it's, it's impossible to get through the world without the support of others. Like, mm. you know, people Basic do it. Truth. Like you say, like people, people do, people do live off the grid and like people like, but, but in, to my mind, I'm not. I'm not really sure that that. I mean, do whatever you want, but that doesn't seem like that seems like a rejection of so much, so mm. much positivity that like, so much potential for like, joy and and uh, spontaneity. Like, uh, I don't know. Other people are are a, an absolute treasure. Uh, yeah, there's, like, there's so many moments. Absolutely critical to, I think, to building a, a life uh, of, of actualization and fulfillment. And we we talked about a bit of that in our episode earlier this week, whether it's in the first part or the second part that will get released next week. But how much you feel like yourself and you just feel fulfilled in in and through genuine connection with other people like while i enjoy my me time like there are so many 
feelings, particularly positive ones, that come through interactions that I could not do on my own. And there's there's so many silly thoughts and ideas and things that are said and just fun moments that I could not have on my own. And to your point, like, you know, do what you want to do. If you want to live off the grid and you're fine with not having those, I mean, you don't know what you're missing, right? But at the same, by the same token, it's just like, other people are a joy. Other people are a treasure. Like, yeah. there's, whether it's wisdom or laughs or, you know, sympathy, whatever it is, empathy, like there is a comfort of being with other people. And there's just this, this dynamic of this is a full living being like yourself that you just have no agency over. You have no control over. So the possibilities are endless. There's an excitement to it. There's a, there is a real joy to it um, in the company of others. Well, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm an observant person. and part, like so what I'm doing when when I'm not I'm not saying nothing to nobody and nobody's saying nothing to me. I'm just watching. I'm just like sitting here thinking about frequently other people because like people are fascinating. I think a, a, a deep fascination with other people is one of my greatest sources of entertainment. You just sit and watch other people like living their fully like their own full complex life that is just as like deep and complicated as yours and like you happen to be sharing this space in line at the grocery store for these five minutes and I'm just standing and like the lady in front of me what's she up to she's on her phone what's she reading well I don't know I can't tell but she's scrolling intensely she's like fascinated by it which I don't really find all that interesting phones phones annoy me so now I'm looking over here well there's a kid kids kids are fun kids are (laughs) very interesting because they don't they don't have they don't have the same limiters yeah like you know they don't have that sense of wonder it's there's no they don't have they don't have categories for things they don't have words for things it's just anything could be anything and they're not they're not bogged down by the weight of somebody else's perception i saw a kid in walmart today he just had a little bouncy ball and he was sitting there and he was just like bouncing it like this and then it like must have hit like a piece of dirt or something, and it just totally went off, and you just went. <laughs> nah, there is, and I think I think that's what like when people talk about nurturing and you know reserving kind of a piece of yourself for your inner child, like mm-hmm. it is in like the meaning of that is in the fascination. I mean, it's a number of things, right? It's it's the fascination, it's the loving to learn new things, um, to experience mm. new things, being open minded, to be a blank slate for new yeah. things, to be able yep, to yep. learn and relearn things. Um, like there's there's plenty of you know upside to keeping that inner child alive, and because the reason, in my opinion, that so many people, and I say in my opinion, it's not like this is oh this. Brilliant idea by Trey. Someone else taught it or mentioned it, and I thought about it. The reason so many people love or miss their childhoods and their their glory days um, is that sense of freedom, and people feel like they lose that that freedom to be, that freedom to do, you know, and you lose that, or you rather, you feel like you lose that. 
obviously you have responsibilities and those things, you know, you have certain limitations. You can't just be a kid, but you can still keep a kid inside you alive through, you know, just different methods. Sure, you may not be able to sit on the game for seven hours or to go out and just play around with your friends for whatever, ride bikes all day, color all day, whatever you want to talk about. But it's because you kind of allow yourself to then get put into a box where then, yeah, imagination, and this isn't SpongeBob, imagination just doesn't do it anymore because it's not, it doesn't go as far because now you're like, well, this is what a, this is what an adult does. This is what an adult can and can't do. You know, like you really box yourself in. And so people miss that time of freedom. Whereas if you then just shift your perspective and think of it like, all right, well, how can I create new, how can I create whatever freedom for myself? And I mean, that's just a matter of creativity, you know, imagination, you know, think about it, like problem solve. Now you're not two anymore. You have object permanence. You can sit there and think about an idea and figure something out. And I mean, and it's really easy to just say it like that. Um, but again, the really simple truths, um, how much of your limitations of you doing the stuff that you wanted to do as a kid, how much of that is self-imposed, right? So, or, or allowed, you allow it to happen to you, so to speak. Like you allow people to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing as a 25 year old, you know, young adult in this, in this world. So that's why people love to live their glory days, man. They feel they feel free. Like I, I will say, I do I do miss the football days sometimes. Felt very powerful and peak at those at those at that age, but it is what it is. I went I went to a I went and saw a coach at a track meet last week. Saw Nichols too. Uh, and yeah, being How's in there, good. I think, mm-hmm. uh, but he was good at the meet. I talked to him a lot. He was fun. We did the high jump. Um, back to your point. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, something that I've very much enjoyed about, uh, more so with the Conservation Corps than with my NCCC crew, but to a degree, uh, even there, pretty much all of the AmeriCorps programs is I get to. I've I've been able to kind of reawaken and fo- and like foster and nurture that my inner child again, uh, while also doing like good important work for the environment, you know. But like we just work. I just get to work outside in the woods most pretty much all the time. Uh, and after there's a few days where your project partner will like work with you and like show you how to do things, but most of the time. It's just the crew out there, like digging dirt, like moving rocks, or like building a trail, or cutting trees down. Um, and I get to like, as a crew lead, uh, I get to make it as fun as I want. Like, I it, there's basically no rules. Like, I'm totally in charge of it. It's it's a really cool dynamic. Uh, and like, we get we get a lot of work done. I got so much work done my last two seasons. Uh, progressively like we just got better and better and better uh but but still have so much fun i it it's an incredible it's an incredible space it's a very liminal space i think uh between because it's very much removed from from ordinary society uh, but not entirely 
Like it's just weird in between. And I'm drawing connections too, and I know there's a bit of a there's a bit of a gap, but my brother and I were talking this morning about he had told me about how much extra credit a certain professor was offering and how much that ended up helping him at the end. And we just had a brief conversation about, you know, professors should want you to pass. Teachers should want you to pass. Like the, the profession in and of itself expresses a desire to instruct others, very to words. teach others. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's an inherently nurturing environment and like occupation. Yep. So you should want to be there. You should want kids to pass. Right. Whether or not you like them, you should want kids to pass. Even if nothing else, for your own self-interest of getting tenure or whatever else. I don't know how teacher and professor professor things work out. But but like you, there should be a certain level of enjoyment in this instruction, in this authoritative position over this group. Right. And you no know, curriculums and stuff and, and deadlines and the pressure that put on teachers and professors, I understand, uh, can make things a little bit more difficult. But the creative ones, as we've seen, make it work. And and when I say that is you can still get the work done while making it an environment that people want to be in and that people can enjoy to the fullest. Absolutely. Now, does that does that take a little more effort? Does that take more creativity? Absolutely it does. But that's what the space is like. You should take advantage of that, yeah. especially as professors when you have a little more, which I imagine you have a little more wiggle room, you know, but teachers and professors are caught up in the same rat race as everybody else. Not it all is, of them, though, like like Belay, well, like we had a we had an entire semester where we watched a, a weird season. David Lynch TV show for <laughs> yeah, the semester. Yeah, and, like, and, and and like that's like had touchstones from the show to all these readings that we were doing. like that was and incredible. It made sense, and we got it was incredible. Even, and that's and it's from saying is like it it may take some, but it has been done. People, there are teachers and professors that do it. Yeah, but and and I'm saying it's just it's understandable, right? That so many of them are just caught up in the because they're hearing these outside voices of. X amount of kids need to pass. You have mm-hmm. these standardized tests coming. You have to prep them for this. This is all of your curriculum. These are the materials you have to work with. Get it done. Uh, and so they kind of come locked into a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-by-month. And it's really, uh, it's kind of an objective-based thing. Like it's a, it's a checklist. We got to get through these things in nine months or in three months. You know, and that's pressure, right? Because it's like all the things you got to teach kids in in a short time when you see them every other day or once a day for 50 minutes maybe like it's pressure so it's like that extra energy to make these things more engaging can be tough but like again it comes down to you should want to because by putting in that extra effort imagine what that does how what that sparks in the students that you're teaching um, right. whether it you know inspires them to become a teacher or it just helps them get get the information better like if we didn't watch Twin Peaks, I can almost guarantee you, I I would not have picked up anything in postmodernism. Yeah. Now, granted, I still struggle. Like it's not a it's not it's not like uh, Twin Peaks made it just glaringly like you know just so easy. But because he was pointing to some things and that I was able yeah. to be really engaged in, 
And I'd be locked into that show because that show was crazy. Like, I mean, locked into an entertainment standpoint, but like because it was something that I was so interested in, it yeah. made it easier to pick up the material side by side right. and run with it. It almost felt like it had been, it, it felt like the show had been created for, for this curriculum, you know? Like it, it was, yeah, <clears throat> like that level of attention to detail and planning is like lesson planning. Pedagogy is incredible. And how, how, how so do you think I, he's doing? I think he's all right. I, and I've actually thought about that. I was like, low key, I should email him. I should, I should email Belay, Jelinek, um, Homan. Like, I, I should reach out to them. Yeah. Um, because we should, we should do a reunion tour. That Next would be fantastic. Say less. We'll, 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 we'll coordinate that. Because, and it's, I don't say this lightly, but. I truly feel like they changed my life. And when I say that, it's not necessarily on this, like, oh man, I was headed down this path or this road or whatever, and it wasn't looking good. And they just came in and saved me. But more from a standpoint of like, as you said before, they taught me how to think. Like they taught so many classes. Yeah. They, like I had so many classes with them in particular that taught me how to think through things for myself. Um, and they made that material engaging to a point where it's like, I really wanted to think about these things, even outside of class. When you and yeah. I are walking back, when you and I are walking back to the dorm, in the dorm, chilling out, hanging out, and we can just talk philosophy, even if we're not doing an assignment or whatever, we're just talking about what we've learned, which is like, and, just, and I've never flexing, flexing the mind, man. Right. And I don't even do, it's like, and then, and I wasn't. That wasn't a thing I was doing very often with any of my other classes, whether in high school yep. or in college. Yeah. I, I mean, there were a couple, but like to a large degree, there wasn't the, the same fascination of learning outside and discussing the dialogue of the class outside of the class. It, as it honestly, those philosophy classes. It made me like enjoy learning again. Like I had, mm. I had been so bored through most mm -hmm. of high school having not really had to apply myself very hard. That. And then yeah. like through a semester and a half of business classes, it was like fucking accounting, pardon my language. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden we're just sitting around thinking about, I think the first one I took was, well, it would have been business ethics, but the first one after that was Homan's logic, I think. And so we're and... thinking about words and arguments as math which I've just come off of hating math, but now you've made math interesting because it's, it's like Semantic. arguments. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That was incredible. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, props to Holman. Let's give, let's give mass credit to Holman because respectfully, the man has, yeah, logic, logic wasn't the most fun. I think I had it with Silverman. Um, I think I had critical thinking with a different guy, but I had, I think I had logic ish, whatever with, uh, Silverman, but props to Homan because the man had one of the most monotone, low voices that I've <laughs> ever heard. Like, and I promise, in any other setting, yeah. literally in any other setting, if he taught any of my other subjects, I could see myself probably falling uh, asleep or struggling to stay in class. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just really 
it's just very it's yeah. almost poetry it's like the way he's yeah you know articulating it's on a flow but if it was but it was the it was what he saw and you could see when he got excited that also made it really easy to see when he got excited and smiled yeah, and space. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it like those were but like because of the content because of the kind of professor that he was which was a very helpful one you know and and he would take time and and they all did um if you approach them they'll take time to walk through yeah um, and to your point you know it really made me enjoy learning again and that's you know that all kind of bases on you know back when you say when it comes to finding a job it's not the most practical major at all but that said I wouldn't go back and change anything because they changed my life because I think in ways that I don't know that I would have thought, or at least not to levels that I would have thought of them or thought through them. If I hadn't gone through that, like if I hadn't taken philosophy courses and honestly, even to say to a degree, like the different dynamic that you add to it, if I didn't have somebody to talk through these things with outside of class, like that's just a whole extra you know, how many more hours do we put on that across four years? Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we were just contributing to. We're, 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 we were literally taking our in class learnings and applying them right then and there. Like, there wasn't, there isn't the, the cool thing about philosophy is it isn't necessarily a, you have to go somewhere to get specific hands on experience to do it. Yeah. You need, you don't need certain equipment. You don't need, you know, a certain environment. You just need two people. And honestly, you don't even need two people. Depending on what it is, I mean, just the introspection alone Should get, yeah, stoicism. Will get, can get you very far. And that's why, like, when I tell people, like, as far as being single for the better part of seven, eight years, whatever, um, college and so on, like, there is an element where it's like, I'm grateful because it gave me so much time in here by myself like you know but just one other person me and you just how many hours can we add up how many car rides and sessions how many voice recordings even though i know we didn't start those till late but like how much of that like we're actually able to build you know on our learning outside of class and that's what and we can still do it that's the it doesn't stop like you know (laughs) And in, in, in so many professions and occupations and disciplines, there's a ceiling. Granted, now will most people ever reach that ceiling? And and you know, because obviously, in things among, say, biology or you know, political science or whatever, there's so it's so broad and vast that, like you know, the idea that one person gets it all is kind of crazy. But like, theoretically, somebody could, you know amass that but philosophy can just keep building on itself now it's it's just a discipline of learning and being curious constantly which which is like that's why wings like well how are you going to use that well i can use that every day can you use your well you know and some things you can use every day but like (laughs) like in terms of with philosophy um I don't know. Like, and, I think I think you really put it well in saying they just taught me how to think and they changed the way I think. Like, it, it's it's not something. It's kind of hard to describe, right? Like, it's it just. I think my brain, the the pathways of my brain are 
aligned differently than perhaps most people or people that didn't do a philosophy major anyways. Philosophy is the human experience. It is the condition. It is the, because all the other disciplines stem from, like, I mean, we talk about philosophy, love of knowledge. And I mean, the rest are just specific directed disciplines, knowledges of certain disciplines. So it does all point back to philosophy. So that's, yeah, that's, that's why I love philosophy. I like, I wouldn't change anything, even, even with, again, the post post grad job search, like, okay, well, that just means I got to get creative when it comes to maybe doing things that I want to do within the specific traditional career path. Right. Um, so like I want to do broadcasting. So it's a matter of finding other small part-time broadcasting gigs, finding, um, you know, opportunities, the traditional way, but also doing things like having a podcast where I get to talk about the things that are fun to talk about, the things that I enjoy to talk about, because that plays into broadcasting, um, playing Madden and taking those games and doing voiceover commentary for those games, just as another, you know, technological and experience commentating building resume thing builder right those are just experience so i can still find ways even though my degree itself when they see bachelors of uh bachelors of arts in philosophy like that may not scream and jump to an employer but also who knows maybe i'll find the right one that's just like you know what that kid knows how to think right yeah. like yeah. possibly anyway i find um, which is something that i think is a huge benefit of like these kind of volunteer programs. It's like you get a foot in the door with so many people. I can't, Mm. I couldn't possibly tell you how many like forest service and national park service and Bureau of land management and like state and local parks and army Corps of engineers and like all of like the project partners that you work with and, Almost all of them are like, by the end of the the week that you're there, they go, okay, here's my card. Like, if you ever have any questions about joining the Forest Service or like doing this, like, you know, use me as a reference, like, or hit me up, write me an email, ask me questions. You get all that for free. Like, you just, you know, you get paid, like, volunteer. It's been incredible. So with with the volunteering piece i think that's I feel like volunteering is kind of underestimated and when i say that i mean what it does for you just as much as what it does for whoever whoever you're volunteering for Absolutely. and you just mentioned you know the connections and the doors that it opens up um and opportunities with other people. And, and, you know, generally when we volunteer, just the internal feeling of helping somebody, being a part of something bigger than ourselves, there's those things too. And yet I feel like so often volunteering, it's almost like a canned food drive where, you know, you have it at a school and the, the class with the most cans gets a pizza party. Uh, like it's great the idea you know period the fact is that you're you're helping others with a canned food drive you're raising can you know 
you're raising the awareness and you're building up actual results through a friendly competition and a reward. And I think, I don't remember, I don't remember which class it was. I think there was a class in college where we kind of talked about now is it, I don't even know if it might've been Homan's ethics, but just like the fact that there's an award attached to it. Like, should we be promoting these kinds of say altruistic, uh, for lack of a better word, schemes where we're doing something good, but it's only because we're promising something good as opposed to doing something good for the sake of doing good. And volunteer hours can be one of those things where it's like, all right, well, kids in high school are volunteering because it looks good for college or, you know, in college kids, same thing, whatever. Um, does it really matter because they're doing it anyway? Or is there something to be said for it's a give and take kind of uh, dynamic? I think, I you, I yeah. think that if, uh, if you've got, if, if they end up volunteering somewhere, uh, like the programs that I've been a part of in any case, uh, and you have the structure in place and like the staff that are capable uh, of creating the right environment. Uh, it can be extremely rewarding. Uh, even, even a kid that might come in and be like, I'm just here because uh, I'm not interested in this at all. I'm I'm just here because I get education money and I get like high school credits. Uh, by the end of five weeks that I spent with my youth crew, uh, all of them were like talking about how transformational it had been and how good they felt about the work we had done and how like we had changed the way me and my other my two other co-leads had changed the way they like thought about themselves and their futures i i don't know man that seems that seems worth it to me like and then, the, if it you got to figure like part of it like i was talking about earlier is part of it is that there are barriers to entry to this kind of thing like i've said a few times you know like you're not getting paid very much like you it's it's not something that everybody that in every, uh, not everybody's in a position to just uproot their life as it is now and like try this new thing. Right. Uh, like I, that's something, which is something that I'm envisioning, like kind of dreaming about, or like thinking about uh, how to like rectify that, you know, like in expanding access uh, beyond the traditional communities that typically end up in these end up like coming to these programs and i think that's a great point because i was going to ask you you know as we get ready to wrap up is so you've is it three years now or is it two two that you've been two okay so you've been in two years as you said in two years um in the core of as you in the core for two years um and as you said you know that can be a lot of time and i mean I'm, i know we could sit here all day and talk about all these different experiences you've had over the course of tenure to 10, two years and what you've learned, how you've grown. And hopefully we'll get into some of those things, you know, as, as you come back, but 
yeah, talk a bit about where you want to carry this. So now you've got two years on on your on your belt under your belt, and you've got an idea of how things work um, and what ahead might look like. So what what have those thoughts been for you, like in terms of what you want to do within the core, um, possibly what you might want to do outside of the core? What is the kind of like short and middle term, long midterm goals and future look like for you? What do you think about it? I, I greatly appreciate you calling it the core over and over. Uh, <laughs> so something that I've learned in doing these, um, the conservation world specifically is very, uh, very reliant upon seasonal work uh, and like these temporary contract contractual workers uh throughout the year like every like all year round every season but they have they hire like seasonal workers in these positions because it's a population of people that moves around a lot like and just tries and does all these different things all the time like like myself included at this point like i'm i'm uh, i've done now uh let's see one two four seasons uh of field work as like a conservation crew member uh, and now crew leader for two seasons. Um, so doing this, these kind of seasonal gigs is kind of just how you build experience uh, in this field. And then, uh, you know, you can do that for a couple of years and then look to move into something, uh, something more permanent, like kind of that's specialized to your interest, obviously. Um, so right now I'm, my next gig is this winter season upcoming, starting in January. I'm going to be on a burn crew uh, for four months. And and then I'm going to go back to Oregon and work the summer and the fall seasons as a wood boss, uh, which is it's a really cool job title. I am excited to be, yeah, to be a wood boss. Cool. Uh, but honestly, it's... It's it's basically essentially it's the liaison between like office staff and like crews in the field. Field at a very crew. basic yeah. level. Uh, okay. They are redesigning the position this year now because not because of necessarily directly, but uh, following along with a lot of commentary that I gave after my summer session. They're redesigning the position. I don't know, man. Oh, wow. And then he emailed me. It was like, hey, I think. You'd be great at this. You should, you know, if you want to come back, come back. So I'm going back. Uh, longer term, I'm thinking within the next year or so, uh, I want to go to grad school and get a master's in outdoor education. There's this really cool program that I found in Southern Oregon where I could, you get a lot of uh, experiential leadership-based things, but then also I can like tailor it with my electives to also learn kind of the business side, like the nonprofit, uh, some nonprofit business classes. So I really want to do that. I hope I'd have to get in there, but. Um, so, and well, I was going to ask, yeah, like, so just real quick for, you know, the ignorant person like myself, what is, what, what does outdoor education consist of generally? So in, in terms of the programs that I'm looking at, there's a lot of, um, 
general kind of leadership theories. Um, pretty much all of them are structured like most grad programs as like there's theory and then practice, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you get a lot of kind of leadership style philosophies, um, you know, conflict resolution things, uh, you know, managing people, like just like these kind of leadership uh, characteristic traits, uh, basically, uh, psychology mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and then as far as the practical side of things go, this program, one of the, pro- the one program I'm most interested in involves the, the cohort of grad students in the program, like design, plan, budget, like they do, like start to finish, they plan and create the spring international trip that the undergraduate majors go on. And then the graduate students lead the trip, like while you're over wherever you go. And so like, it's this month long expedition that you plan and then execute. Which just sounds incredible, right? Doesn't that sound cool? Uh, So you have like a lot of, like you have a lot of discretion when it comes to building out that, that plan. As far as I understand it, it's, it's just the group, like say there's six, Maybe maybe there's six grad students on the program. Like it would be the six of us doing the whole thing. Like there are obviously mm-hmm. we have advisors, you know, that that, that come on the trip, right. but like we're running the whole thing. You know, they're just like observing and taking notes and shit. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, I I don't know if I'd get in there. But... No, it definitely sounds like you've got a lot of. Amazing experience behind you. I don't think so. No, I'm okay. And thank you. Well, I might. I don't know. If you're leaving now, I might meet you. It's only four. Oh, okay. Well then. Yeah, we'll be. I don't know yet. We're gonna wrap up here in a minute. No, I don't. Okay. Oh, uh, this is hi. Hey, hey, how you doing? Um, so hi. it sounds like you've got a lot of amazing experience behind you, and a lot more ahead of you. So I do, I definitely want to come back to talking through these things as you as you walk through what's to come over the next year because I just know it's going to be so much more we can um, we can chronicle my career on your podcast wouldn't that be nice no and I mean and yeah because and I'll just be I'll be the Brian Windhorst to your LeBron James I'm doing this for y'all man this is all a social experiment (laughs) for our benefit yeah I'm paving the way and hey, hey, and when you want to be paving the way, just come talk to me. Um, so because, and that's what, like, with this particular, I guess, segment of promote yourself and, and the podcast is, it's going to be like the part of the vision I have for it is kind of like a chronicling of my journey, of others' journeys. Um, and just bringing more perspective, bringing more, you know, knowledge here um, and talking, just voicing these kinds of things that we love talking about. Right. 
And I mean, a couple of things that you mentioned that would be really exciting between nonprofit work together. I think we could do we could do a lot in that space and actually seeing it come together because we've talked about some of these things um, at CNU, but seeing ourselves on the paths towards making those things come true and having a real vision as to how they can come to life is really exciting. And I, I look forward to us talking about those on here um, and just, yeah, the continued growth that'll come along. But this is, this has been an awesome episode. Um, I'll go ahead and cap it because we've been on here a while and I know we already have this habit of, we might like lately with, you know, Say goodbye being so six far times. apart. Yeah, you know, and, and even just like, hey, we got to catch up and we'll jump on the phone. And the next thing you know, we've talked for three hours. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and we can do this anytime and, and we'll definitely jump back on here. But I wanted to give you a you know opportunity to say bye to your new fans, um, all six of them, and, and just close us out a bit. Well, hey, man, tell, tell all six of you. I bet it's I bet it's more. I bet it's more now. Uh, <laughs> all nine of you. Yeah, Join, it's a whopping fifty uh, percent you're bringing. Good I think stuff. so. <laughs> I I think I've got it in me. Uh, serious growth. Come, yeah. Come out to come out to Idaho, or Oregon, or Washington Northwest Youth Corps. Check them out. See the exactly see and that's and that's what I want to do to give people a chance to plug. Plug your plug your stuff. Yeah, talk your oh, yeah. talk. Bring people in. Um, join the core, guys, because you'll there's so much to be had from joining the core. Yeah. Um, the Marine Corps is a different animal. I'm not I'm not sending you to the Marine Corps. I'm sending you to Triple yeah, C. I wouldn't. I yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you should join the Marines. Probably. They have enough. <laughs> Probably so. Um, but that's the end of this episode. Promote yourself. And, you know, just once again, want to thank everybody for, for tuning in to this awesome episode with me and my bestie. Um, be plenty more like it. So just keep tuning in. But thank you for all the love. We'll give it right back to you. And we'll see you next time. I'll promote yourself. <laughs>